Welcome to Cross Defense. It's great to have you. This is the show where we equip the mind, excite the imagination, and comfort the soul, all with God's Word. We have a fierce, fierce foe out there. Our only defense is Christ on the cross. I'm glad you're here with me today. It's a great show. This is the first show um, in my new digs. Set up the equipment, got, getting started here. I am now broadcasting worldwide from the Welcome Center in Winnicott Hall, on the campus of Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Coming to you live, well, we'll be live eventually from this location. We're pre-recorded today, but we are broadcasting from this location. It's great to be here, and um, we're going to be running a little rough today, a little off the cuff. But we have someone with us, a familiar voice from just a couple weeks ago, who's going to help us uh, get through today's episode as I kind of settle in in my new role. I am the newest admission counselor here at the seminary. Uh, if you uh, know of anybody who's looking to be a pastor, considering pastoral service or diaconal service, wants to be a deaconess, if you have somebody in mind or you yourself are considering this, well, you can reach out to me or anybody else here in the admissions office, and we'd be happy to answer questions and get you oriented and aimed in the right direction. We are going to actually start our 175th year here at CTSFW, 175 years of preparing God's people to serve God's people. Isn't that awesome? That's amazing. And I'll be installed on Tuesday, our opening service here at the chapel, uh, which is really quite the honor, quite the pleasure. Um, but yes, not my stuff's not even all here yet. I, I have uh, one bookshelf with like five books because those are the five books I was currently reading when I left Ferndale. And uh, they went in the last box, I threw it in the back of the truck, and now here I am. We're here. Uh, so thanks for sticking with us, and whether in the uh, the Encore episode, I don't know what the Encore episode was last week, but you got to listen to, uh, I think it was me, so twice now. I haven't been doing this long enough to have a rerun, but, uh, you know, situation called for it. So thanks. All right, everything from now on will be done from Concordia Theological Seminary here in Fort Wayne, Indiana. Let's get to the show. We're going to have a great show for you today. We're going to talk about technology and the church. Can the church use technology? Can it abuse technology? Have we thought about how we use technology, the blessings of it, the curses of it? Have we even given any of this any consideration? And I hope so. I hope the answer is yes, because as you all know, the church was thrust online. I mean, many churches were already online or broadcasting with television or radio for years and things like this. We all know of tele-evangelists and things like that, but COVID really propelled the church in mass online. And we might not have pumped the brakes enough to really consider what we're doing and what the consequences of our actions might be. I'm praying we did, and we are still, but let's talk about that today. And to do that, we're going to let Pastor Sean Kilgo, you remember Pastor Sean Kilgo, let me bring him up here. Are you uh, with us, Pastor? I am. Hey, hey we're, we're going to let Sean, Pastor Kilgo, guide us through this exploration of technology in the church. Thanks for being on the show again, Sean. You're a lifesaver, my friend. I I do what I can, I guess. <laughs> probably shouldn't say I'm a lifesaver until after we record the show and see what I actually say. Oh, yeah. You, you could really sync this thing, I suppose. I, I could. I could. <laughs> this could, could be, be the could final be the episode of Cross Defense. The Titanic going down. We get to Indiana, right. and that's it. Done. 
Uh, no, no, you got good content. I read through what you sent me and I'm ready for you to you know, walk us through it and help me understand it even more. And so give me a little bit of origin here. Now you wrote up some stuff, you presented some stuff. Tell, tell everybody who's listening what we're talking about and why we're talking about it. Okay. So, uh, as, as you mentioned, COVID just kind of threw everything into a mess. And so for us, what happened at the churches that I serve at is Monday morning, we had our staff meeting and it was in the middle of Lent. So normally we have a Lenten midweek meal and we decided, Hey, with all this stuff going on, maybe it would be best for us to not serve a meal. And that, that was kind of all we changed. That was Monday morning. Monday evening, we had a joint council meeting, which we get representatives from all the congregations together, and we talk about what we're doing as a partnership. And after that meeting, we had canceled everything um, and moved to broadcasting online and in some form. And this is without actually having anything to do that with. Like We kind of <laughs> scrambled around to actually put all this together very last minute. So from Monday to that coming Sunday, uh, is the amount of time that I had to kind of put together what we were wow. going to use. And uh, we had just about no time to think about this. We went through this uh, for a number of weeks. And then I believe it was at the end of June, we had ceased all of our um, services online. We were back in person. And uh, that's where we're at today. And since then, I've kind of had time to reflect about this. And there's been a number of things that have come up during and after that have propelled me to think more about this and actually start giving some presentations about this. I presented uh, just recently at a worship conference in Topeka. Uh, we were blessed to have uh, Dr. Paul Grimm from the seminary there presenting for us, and then I was one of the breakout sessions. Oh, nice. And then I'm also going to be presenting at our pastor's conference on the same topic. Uh, so I've been thinking a lot about this, and one of the things that propelled me to to think about this is a number of comments that started showing up as we were going through all this and even after that I'm sure are comments that a lot of pastors are pretty familiar with. Uh, it seems like most people were, were getting these same sort of comments, like how glad they were that they could sit on their couch with their coffee and their, uh, their phone and watch the service there, right. In the comfort of their own home, comfort of their lazy boy. Right that they could do it whenever they wanted. They didn't necessarily have to tune in at uh, eight o'clock or 10 o'clock or whenever, when it's showing up. If they didn't necessarily like the hymns that day or the sermon that day, you know, all you gotta do is just scroll a little bit further and there's another service going on. Uh, and also, if you really like doing it, you could watch a whole variety. And I came to find out that there are people watching a whole variety of services, but they weren't all of our Lutheran churches. It was just kind of whatever was in their Facebook feed. So uh -huh. if they had somebody that was a, a Methodist in the area that had shared it or a Catholic in the area shared it, they're watching kind of a whole variety of things. And so it was, it was like, I, I don't know that this is actually good for us. N none of this seems to me to be really things that I'm excited about hearing. And then when we stopped the online services, uh, we had people kind of lamenting that they weren't able to sit in the comfort of their homes anymore, but also that we have had people that still haven't returned to our uh, services with one another. And, and I understand that there are people who uh, are 
legitimately in the vulnerable population. Right. Right. Um, but those people, for the most part, have called us and we go and we do home visits with them. Right. And so that's still the church gathering. It's just not in the in the building right next door to us. It, but that's a different thing. You've got people who it seems that we taught through our actions to believe that they needed to worship in the comfort of their home. And uh, and, and so this just kind of got me thinking through all of this on how should we be just kind of processing all this? What should we do? What should we not do? Where are the limits to these things? And that, that was one of the kind of concerning things in mind is it seemed like as we were going through this that there kind of weren't any limits. You just kind of do whatever you're able to do. Some people could do more, some people could do less, but it was, it seemed like the limits were more so set by the equipment that you had and the capabilities that you had, the bandwidth that you had, yeah. than, than any sort of kind of theological or practical principles, but especially theological principles. And that's kind of what, where I've been driving at this from. What, what, um, Let's talk technology real quick, just in case the yeah. listener is kind of coming at this. We hear the word technology, and we're going to get right on track with what you're talking about. But so we hear the word technology, and we instantly think iPhones, computers, you know, smart TVs, these sorts of things. But what is technology as you've been exploring it? Yeah, so this is one of the things. And when I've started, what I've started doing when I talk about this is I try and specifically say, how is the church employing digital technologies? Digital. Okay. Okay. And um, the reason for that is because technology is just this very broad term. Um, both of us are sitting on technology. Um, you're wearing on your face right now technology. Uh, mm -hmm. We are both wearing technology in our clothing. You're talking about my glasses on my face. I'm right? talking about your glasses. Yeah. yeah. Oh, you said um, I'm sitting on or in front of technology. You're sitting on technology, your chair, right? That's technology. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, okay. You you probably, um, well, I don't know where you're living, but if you live off <laughs> campus, you, 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 you drove with technology on other technology. You used a vehicle driving on a road, and both of those are technologies, right? Uh -huh. So technologies kind of in this broad, broad sense are simply, this is an oversimplification, but for the sake of the conversation, technology, we can say, are simply the tools that we use to do stuff. Okay. Right? Okay. So our chair is a tool that we use to sit uh, in a more comfortable position than on the ground. Right? Okay. Uh, glasses are a technology we use to help people see better. Clothes are technology we use to cover ourselves, but also, you know, keep ourselves warm uh, when it's cold and make ourselves look nice, whatever. Or, or display our right. office, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. So, so everything around us is technology, right? And that's kind of one of the things we got to wrap our minds around first is that technology is uh, everything around us yeah. um, at, that we are using to do things with, right? Even if they're static. So for example, uh, behind you, behind me are bookshelves, right? Bookshelves are technology. The things sitting on them are technology as well. Books are, Books. are a technology, yeah. right? That's Books very are interesting. Books a tool that we use to store information. Yeah, as we consider, especially in terms of church and how the church mm -hmm. uses technology, we often, you hear the word technology in terms of church, you think like projectors or screens or, uh, you know, microphones, things like that. Right. But right. hymnals and um, Bibles, pews, all of the furniture, it's technology. Right. Okay, right. okay, I'm on board. I, I think the listeners tracking too. 
Um, so we have the technology. Are you under the impression that in times prior, the implementation of the technologies the church is, is accustomed to using have been thought through well before we implement them? So, so now that that I'm not entirely sure about historically. Okay. Um, I would say just of the limited amount that I know, it seems like the church and possibly society were maybe a little bit more um, thoughtful about the adoption of things. So this is actually a, a nice uh, kind of transition to another aspect of this okay. is that we usually tend to think of technology in terms of being either positive or negative or neutral, right? It's one or the other. It, but as it turns out, the technology tends to be both positive and negative simultaneously, regardless of the technology. Now, uh, Socrates actually tells a story about this, uh, a fictitious story of Thymus. And he tells a story of this, this guy that, of the invention of writing and how there's this concern that the one guy who had invented writing is really excited about it. He thinks it's the best thing ever, right? And then the, uh, I think it's the king is concerned about the writing because he says this will cause people to not be able to remember things anymore, not because now they're written down. So, and this is actually true historically, uh, as writing has become more prevalent, our ability to remember things has decreased. Um, they've done some interesting studies on that and how that then interplays with digital technology is kind of interesting, but what ends up happening historically is you go from a, everybody just has to remember stuff and all knowledge is passed down orally, right? Mm. Two, now you can write things down and you can store the information on a tablet or on a piece of paper or whatever it might be. And as those technologies themselves in, uh, differ and, and get better, it allows you to do more writing. So you go from tablets to papyri to, um, to scrolls to, you know, be able to put something into a, uh, a more portfolio style. Then you get the printing press that comes along that makes this really easy to, uh, to, to make books in kind of more in mass. And as this moves along, it has these effects. So if we think about writing, um, there, there are things that I would not know today if it were not for writing, because writing has allowed those things to be written down and me to go and find them. Uh, whereas otherwise I would have had to go and actually encounter with the person, right? I can know what Luther said because it's been written down, right? right? I don't actually have to go and find Luther or find someone who's been told throughout the generations what Luther said. And that's the positive aspect. Of that's it, the right? positive aspect. The negative aspect is it has negative affected, negatively affected our ability to learn things, and it's also taken all writing and put it on equal par, right? So we see this with like the ability to self-publish. Yeah. That... Um, the amount of books that are being published on any given uh, year is just astronomical yep. now. Yep. And it, it's no longer, it used to be, if it was published, if it was written down in a book, it was a really important piece of information that everybody wants to know. And now that's not the case. You actually have to be really, really careful with what you're reading because anybody right. can write anything and publish it. I can go on Lulu, yep. you know, as soon as we get off and just throw some gibberish on a page and publish it and put it out there and people could buy it. Yep. Right. So there, there's negative aspects, and, and every technology is like this. There, there are things that it has benefited us, and there are things that is uh, 
negatively impacted us. Now, I think the difficulty is the positive benefits are are pretty immediate in seeing them. The, the negative aspect is a lot more difficult to see and a lot of times is not seen until afterward. Looking back right? on it, realizing yeah. the, the error of your way or realizing the, the unintended consequence. Right, right. Okay. And a lot of times that's just simply a matter of like letting the thing play out and see what it does, right? You, you can think about it beforehand, but uh, it's difficult when it's something that's new that hasn't kind of existed before. So going from not having writing to having writing, that's a major shift yeah. in yeah. in the world, right? So what do you do with that? Going from uh, books are an incredibly rare thing and incredibly difficult and expensive to produce to now you have uh, movable type and you have a printing press and you can just kind of pump the stuff out more quickly. That has a massive effect. And, and we know, those of us that have studied Reformation history, we know the effect that has on the Reformation itself, right? Yep. Um, so understanding that there are positive and negative aspects is kind of a key thing that I've started to, to realize that we've assumed that technology in general, but especially digital technology is either primarily good, which means you're a, a technophile, right? Someone who loves technology or you're, um, uh, that you think that technology is primarily bad. Um, which means you're a technophobe or, you know, perhaps a Luddite, Luddite. Someone who just, <laughs> just completely shuns Yep. thinks technology is evil, or you think that it's neutral. And th this is maybe even the the predominant idea, I think, that I hear in the church is that it doesn't matter what you use as long as you're getting the message out there. And there's this guy... Let's that hold that for just a second. Let's take a break. Go ahead. Because yeah. we could do this. I mean, this is extremely interesting. Uh, let's talk about the guy in just a second. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back. Thanks, guys, for listening. Don't go away. Find out what else is going on here at KFUO.org. And Pastor Kilgore and I will be right back. Hi, this is Pastor Apple of Sharper Iron on KFUO. On September 14th, we start the section of Proverbs filled with short pieces of wisdom for which the book is famous. An hour isn't enough time to go into each proverb in great detail, but I don't want you to miss something you really want to hear. Let me know what proverb you want to know more about by calling the listener comment line at 314-996-1542 or send an email to kfuo at kfuo.org. As the list comes together, I'll share short bonus podcasts to help you sharpen your faith in Christ. You'll find them on kfuo.org or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Cross the Fence, where I am talking with Pastor Sean Kilgo about technology and the church. Tell us about the guy, Pastor Kilgo. Yeah, so there's this guy, um, Marshall McLuhan, who back in the 60s coins this term, uh, the medium is the message. Okay. And what he means by that, and, and I'm still reading on this to get a better grasp of this myself, but it seems what he means by that is that um, the manner in which you convey a message itself is part of the message. It tells you something about what the, so if I'm putting a message out there, you know, if I present it orally versus I present it as a written document or I present it uh, over the radio or over YouTube or whatever, the manner in which I present it is going to tell you something about what I think of the message itself. Um, about its importance, about how sacred it is, about and it, all these kind of things about the message itself. 
And so that's one of the aspects that's kind of missing a lot of times in this conversation is that the, the medium actually is the message or at the very least a part of the message. So how you present something is uh, just as important as the thing that you're presenting itself. So give us now, a, can you give us an example of something like that for the church? Um, yeah, so so I'd say with the church, we could consider that the the church's service itself, right? Because this is kind of what we're talking about. Yeah. So what is the divine service, right? What is um, the Lord's giving of his gifts to us entail uh, in the in the church's gathering? Um, what do we want to convey with that? And what I think has happened is when we put this in a digital online format, what we're saying is that the, the church's gathering itself is a portable on-demand sort of thing, right? The medium by which it's conveyed is actually telling you something about the thing that's being conveyed. So the, the in this case, the, the church's worship is something that um, just kind of exists out in the nether sphere out there, and you can just kind of access it and, and watch it whenever you want. Um, at the same time, and this is one of the major points of this, you, we do have this idea with the Lord's Word itself. So the Lord's Word um, works by going into our ears and the Holy Spirit working through those sound waves going into our ears and creating faith in our hearts and minds by those words, right? So wherever those words are showing up, uh, there the Holy Spirit is working. And whether that's me standing right across, uh, you know, the sitting right across the table from you or standing in church with you or sitting across, you know, a computer screen, uh, listening to you on the radio, what, whatever it might be, those words are coming to us all the same. And this is where you, we actually start seeing a bit of a conflict. And that's normally the the doctrine of the word and the doctrine of the church normally sit in harmony with each other. The doctrine of the word creates and sustains the church, and the church is uh, fed and does not exist, in fact, apart from the Lord's word, which creates and sustains it. So, so they're sitting there together, working with one another. What I've noticed that tends to happen when we place services in particular online is that it seems like now what's happening is you've got those two theologies butting heads. Mm. So you've got the, the theology of the word that's saying, I can be anywhere. And you've got the theology of church that's saying, I am in a particular location, right? Um, because one is in a sense physical and the other's not. Uh, now there is, you could make the case that the word is still physical because you've got sound waves vibrating and all this sort of stuff. But, but it, can, it can travel around in a way that the gathered body can't. And, and we just got to remember what, what the church is according to the scriptures being this gathered body, uh, or even how we confess it in, in Augsburg, that, that the church is uh, God's saints gathered around the uh, gospel purely preached and the sacraments rightly administered, right? That not only you're physically gathered, but you're gathered around physical things as well. And that the sacrament is the high point of that. And that's another thing that you can't, you know, broadcast yeah. that through the internet. You can't that, broadcast a baptism through the internet. That's key. Right? That is so important. And I think you just nailed, maybe not, but tell me, is this the crux of it? Is this the point? 
Uh, how do we yeah, do this? Yeah, I think it is. Yeah, the physicality. I think it is, and 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 I think that what we need to realize is that there are other things within the life of the church that can be done online. What we're doing right now is a great example of that. Okay, right? yeah. we're we're sitting here. We're we're thinking theologically. We're thinking about the Lord's word. We're building one another up. Right. right? Um, these other shows that are on KFUO. Yeah, like we need to have Pastor iron. Apple on here and talk, you know, yeah, sharpen iron, sharpen yeah. iron. That's right. Yeah, that's, well, that's what I was saying, you know, <laughs> as, as iron sharpens iron, right? You you can do that. Our minds are going from the same a place. Yeah. Right, yeah. Um, or things like having a Bible study, right? So this is one of the things that I've been doing is we'll have a Bible study on Sunday and I will, um, I'll throw it on Facebook Live and then I'll pull the video off and I'll put it on YouTube for people that, maybe weren't able to make it there that week, they can sure. get caught back up, right? Because what we're concerned with, with something like a Bible study or something here, is we're, we're concerned primarily with kind of a, for lack of a better word, a, a downloading of information, right? We're, we're, we're giving people something to think about. Um, whereas the church's service is, is a different thing, right? Um, right. The, the intent of it is to deliver the forgiveness of sins. Um, but and that's done in, in a, very particular way according to the Lord's institution of it. Right. right. The danger with the Bible study, the one danger I can see is that, like you mentioned before, where people get comfortable doing it at home and therefore mm -hmm. they're almost encouraged to not come and interact with the church in the physical location. Right. But, but you're absolutely right. right. It's not the same as the divine service where God is, has told us in his word, he is serving us in this moment, right? Where he is, this is where the promise is, where he's promised to be with us. So how do we, how do we, how do you, since you are broadcasting your Bible study, putting it out there, like, where's your mind on that with how we balance yes. the blessing and the potential, you know, uh, harm that could be done? Mm -hmm. So I, I do a, a couple of things. Um, one of the things that I do is I set the camera off to the side. It's pointed primarily at the whiteboard. You can hear me. You can't always see me. Um, because what I'm most concerned about there is, you know, if I write something on the board, I want you to be able to see that, but I'm most concerned with you hearing what I'm saying. Um, and you can hear the comments from the, the people that are, that are there, but I am interacting. I'm not interacting with the computer at all. I'm interacting with the people that are in front of me. And, and part of that is intentional because I want to make it a, um, as, unenjoyable of an experience as possible <laughs> for someone who's watching online because I, I don't want them to stay online. I, I, I want it. them to come and join us. Yeah. Right. You and, and so me, that's, that's partially intentional that's on right. my part. Right. Um, I love how then, you just said uh, that. Like people just heard this, this pastor wants to make the experience as unenjoyable as possible. Amen. Right. brother. Well, that's right. And, and part of that is that, that we need to realize that, that the goal and aim of these things isn't experiential either. Right. Bingo. Uh, nice. It, the goal and the aim of these things are are different. So uh, the goal and the aim of a Bible study is to do exactly that, to study the Bible. Right. Um, the, the experience there is encountering the words of the living God with one another. Yeah. Right. Now, if you're unable to come right for whatever reason, like let's say I've got someone who's homebound and they just can't come, they can still get access to this thing. Yeah. Right. Um, but one of the things that I'm not doing is I'm not pretending like they are there in the room with me. Nice. That's one of my other big concerns is that there's that the way we've gone about doing this, I don't know has been entirely helpful. Even when we do put thing put the service online, which I think 
there, there's much discussion to be had on whether or not that's actually good. But even with doing it, the way we tend to do it is we try and make it as much as possible, just like you're sitting in the pew. So you put the camera kind of pew level right. and then you, you know, you angle it up at the pulpit and, you know, you'd get a different view over the lectern and you, you know, put the uh, bulletin, you know, an image of the bulletin on there when you're doing, you know, the hymns or the readings or whatever. And we're trying to make it feel like you're actually in the pew. Which is presenting a lot. It reminds me uh, of right? the old and, sitcoms, and I, right? They and would I always more and more sit, have a big issue. I'm not a big this. theater guy, but I know this much anyway. The fourth wall, is it third wall, fourth wall, right? When when the, the, fourth, act, the fourth wall, when they when the actor talks to you. Yeah, when right. the actor talks to you, and they would literally like set the family up at the table, the dinner table. There would never mm -hmm. be someone's back to the camera. It was mm -hmm. as if the viewer was at that spot at the table, right? Right. Like mom right. and dad are at the ends and the kids are all in front of you. Kind of like the picture of the Lord's Supper, right? Like they're all on one right. side and you're right. looking in on it. Um, but right. that breaking of the, what is it? Third wall, fourth wall? Fourth, fourth wall. Fourth wall, yeah. yeah it's a Deadpool thing. Um, yep, yep, Deadpool. <laughs> that, that's actually the characteristic of, one of the characteristics of Deadpool is he's always talking to the audience. Right, right? exactly. Uh, and so when we're, great insight there. So when we're setting, and this I'm guilty of this. At St. Mark's, I did this. I set the angle up. You know, that's how I thought, like, okay, if you're not able to sit in the pew, the camera will at least be your eyeballs from your ankle. Right. Um, but I was creating a, 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 a you're creating a show, a show is what you're doing. Yeah. Right? They're pretending and, to be there. And to be completely, you know, upfront, we did, we did the exact same thing. Right. So, yeah. so I, I, I was doing all of these things. Yeah. Cause we're um, like, you, like we started off the show. We, you know, we're not, this is why we're thinking it through right now. Cause we were thrust right. into it. And what were we doing and was it good? And what right, can we right. make better? Right. Right. Great. And so one of the things that, that I think that this is, is impacted is on, on one sense, we're sitting there and we're, we're telling everybody, Hey, I know this is only for a time. This is kind of not our, our normal way of doing things. But then the way we actually broadcast it to them is everything's normal, right? <laughs> You're sitting in the pews with us and we're, we're giving conflicting messages there. And, Theologically, I think one of the things that does is it doesn't let you kind of be free to mourn and lament and repent, uh, stand under God's judgment in these things, right? Re realizing this is, you know, this is God's judgment. And so, um, that's huge. That is, yeah, it, 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 because you're, you're not, you're not engaging with the reality. Um, you're, like you said, we're putting on a show, you're putting on ultimately a lie. One of the yeah. things that I've, I've been trying to do with this is kind of be more blunt with some of the language. Um, one of the, and one of the language languages that I've, or, um, aspects that I've been coming across in some of the reading that I've been doing is actually the language of spectacle, um, okay. which I think is, is a helpful word because it doesn't carry kind of a nice connotation to it. Although it right? is related to your eyes of faith. It is. It is. Um, <laughs> I have spectacles on right now. They're on right. my eyeballs. Uh, so we, we end up putting on a show or a spectacle sure. for people to watch. Now, that's one of the things that, that really is fascinating to me is even naturally when I talk about it, as much as I've been thinking about this, but when I listen to people talk about it, you, you listen to the language that we use and it's the language of uh, spectacle and of, of viewership, of um, being a spectator or, or even, mm. uh, and this is kind of a frightening thing for me to, to to think about, but I think we need to wrestle with it is voyeurism. Okay. Right? And, uh, how many people are watching the service? 
right? That is not a language that we use in regards to the church's service at any other time, right? When, when, when we have Sunday service and we've got all the people there, we don't talk about, uh, hey, how many people did you have watching service on Sunday uh, this last week? Is How many people were in church on Sunday? Yeah. How many people were there hearing the Lord's word on Sunday? How many people received the sacrament on Sunday? Right? There's, there's a physicality to the language we use. And it's almost like our minds know that there's something going on here that, that's, that's different. Right. right. It, it's different than the regular gathering of the church. And it's, in fact, not the same thing. Like, we're not actually gathered with each other. We are, in the, in the words of, uh, I think it's uh, Gene Twangy. Um, I don't remember if that's the right author or not. Alone together. Right. Okay. Yeah. Right. Which is the um, the title of the the deal that you were doing. Yeah. Right. The alone together. That, show. that yeah. there is, there is this still though alone ship that actually exists, and I think that we need to actually embrace that reality because it's the reality. Right. Yeah. And as Lutherans, um, we should be leading the way in this, and we probably are right now as you're talking about this. You are leading the way in this because we we call a spade a spade. We don't dress things up. We don't change things. We don't avoid sin and talking about the law this has never been part of our dna right. it's not what we do we deal with the situation right. even the uncomfortable right right now the mm -hmm. popular thing to do is to go online right now the popular thing to do is to make it shiny and, and, and great and have the whole switcher thing the obs and all the technology to make it look like it's been filmed in a studio but that and that's what right a lot of us are wanting to do because we want if we're going to do it we want to do it well Right. But the temptation right. is right. or the thing we're inadvertently doing is we're we're uh, we're putting lipstick on the pig. Right. We're we're, mm -hmm. we're putting makeup on the, the the dead body. We're making it look nice when, in fact, it, there's another reality that we need to accept and deal with so that we can do it healthy right. and proper. Right. Brother, right. this this is amazing. Thank you for thank you for doing this work and for sharing it with us. Uh, I want to talk real quick. We're going to come up on our next break here pretty soon, but um, let's get started talking about this voyeurism idea and the, the yeah. watching. And maybe let me just kind of chew on this for a second. And you tell me if I'm tracking with where uh, what you're reading is telling you mm -hmm. and the research you're doing. But as as Lutherans, we understand that the liturgy is in place for a great reason. There's multiple, a, a numerous amount of blessings in the liturgy. But one of them is that the the parishioner is not simply watching something happen. We're not simply watching the pastor do this and do that, but that there is a back and forth that everyone is involved, right? The, the, right. the Christ, and I like to think of it this way, Christ is serving us through his body, and we are that body, so he's serving us through us, right? Uh, as, mm -hmm. we are in, as we are going through the liturgy, that is blossoming out of his word. And there's a, that means there is this intentional and very active engagement and activity happening in the church service. Whereas what you right. were just saying, on the screen, all I can really do is turn up the volume and make sure I can see it. That's it. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. I, might right. be able to, I might be able to sing along, if I know the hymn, mm -hmm. if I have a hymnal at home, so there's there's that. Or if the the, hymn, the music is put on the screen, right? So there's, so let's talk about that part of it. As there's pressure then to put, okay, pastor, don't make this as unenjoyable as possible. 
make this the most engaging thing as possible mm-hmm. so we can all stay at home. How do we deal with that? Yeah. Um, I think we just say no. <laughs> um, that, that's that's not the point of this. Yeah. And why right? do we if, say if, no, I guess? What? If, 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 we, if you're going to put the service online, right, um, we, we have to step back and say, well, what's the point of the service, right? Is, is the point of the service to make some uh, really enjoyable experience for people? That's the kind of modern evangelical idea of the divine service. Um, that that's the modern evangelical idea of worship in general is my, you know, my doing stuff and experiencing God through my actions and my uh, emotional highs and lows that show up and all this sort of stuff. Whereas our understanding, according to the scriptures, is going to be that that worship is uh, chiefly God serving you with His gifts, right? And that this is, you, you had mentioned this, that there's this back and forth. I would say there's two back and forths that occur within the divine service. There is a back and forth between the, the pastor or the liturgist and the congregation. But that back and forth is actually its own uh, forth of the back and forth between God and the church, right? So you've got yeah, God and the yeah. church where you're going back and forth. Uh, God does stuff and we respond. Right. God does stuff and we respond and over and over and over. That's the the pattern of the divine service. But also within those uh, responses, there's even this back and forth between the pastor and the uh, congregation. Right. Which is really, really cool. And so this is uh, one of the frustrations I know a lot of pastors have where people say, you know, they want to be more involved in the service. Right. And And they're not realizing that you're involved in every aspect of the service, either by um, offering up the sacrifice of thanksgiving and calling on the name of the Lord, that's your response to the Lord's gifts, or by being blessed with the Lord's gifts, right? That you're, you are involved in the divine service when you hear the absolution, right? You're involved in the divine service in hearing uh, the God of all creation speaking to you through his divine word. You're involved in the divine service by uh, hearing the scriptures expounded in the sermon. You're involved in the divine service by receiving on your lips the very body and blood of Christ for forgiveness of your sins, right? All, you're involved in the divine service at the very end where God places his name on you, right? In the benediction. All these things, they're, they're passive. God's doing them for you, but but it doesn't uh, negate your involvement in it, right? right? You still have to be there. Right. It doesn't happen without you actually you know, being there for it. And so when we're yeah, if we're looking at putting the service online, we, we've got to be thinking about all this stuff. And one, what of this can actually go through a computer screen? Uh, and there's some of it, like we talked about, like the divine, the uh, the Lord's Supper, it can't. Right. Right. Um, but there are other things, you know, the, the blessing uh, can go through there. Um, uh, I think there are questions concerning the absolution on this that I think are very legitimate questions because... Um, you don't know who's on the other side of the screen. Uh, so how can you pronounce an absolution to people whose confession you haven't heard? Yeah, you're just kind and of think, taking a shotgun a... approach or something or just kind of blasting it out there. And there's there's no sort of pastoral care involved. There's no right. um, caution or uh, appropriateness, right? It's just right. blind. It's blind. Let's, right. let's pause right there. We'll go to another break. When we get back, let's talk about the corporate aspect. We're already there. Uh, the corporate aspect of this, mm-hmm. especially with the prayer of the church, of mm-hmm. the church and how it's done corporately, 
and right. how we can understand that in terms of this technology and our our encouragement, our accidental encouragement for people to stay home <laughs> right. by what right. we've done. But let's take a break. We'll be right back. Don't go away. Keep listening. Find out what else is going on here at KFUO.org. We're talking technology and the church. We'll be right back. Concord Matters is the program where we seek to be of one mind that is the mind of Christ. And to do that, Christ-confessing Concordians read through and discuss the Book of Concord, which is our Lutheran confession of faith drawn from Holy Scripture, so that you too may be of one mind and confess with Christ. Be sure to listen every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Central on KFUO Radio or anytime on KFUO.org or anywhere you get your podcasts. Until we convene for Concord again, keep confessing, church. We are back. Thanks for uh, sticking around here, not taking off during that break. I know the temptation is great to bail on us. Thanks for not doing that. Let's talk about prayer of the church, Pastor. We were talking about the corporateness of the divine service and the activity, the engagement, the ex- not the experience. That's the wrong language. Uh, how did you say it? Um, when someone's there in person and even just using their eardrums. The spectatorship. Spe- yes, we're talking spectatorship. Yeah, it's, it's spectatorship. That's what yep, we're dealing with. Yep. Yeah, and so, okay, so tell, talk to me about the prayer of the church and the corporateness of that as part of the liturgy. What Just for the listener, mm-hmm. maybe we got a first-time listener out there, maybe a first-time, uh, someone who's never really been to a, a liturgical service, a Christian service. What is the prayer of the church, and how is that to be done in person? Yeah, so the prayer of the church uh, are the or what we call the collects, right? So it's right. collecting uh, together the prayers— of the of the whole church and praying them through a single voice, right? So the pastor will normally stand up at the altar and will uh, pray the prayers of the church. The congregation will respond to the prayers uh, with with Amen or Lord have mercy, uh, whatever the the prayer kind of indicates. And um, this is kind of an interesting one for me because I think that while there is this aspect that it is corporate. Uh, that it, it's bodily, you're, you're done together, that the church does understand that she's praying with, uh, alongside all the other churches at the same time, right? And so, like, I, I think back to, um, you know, when you, some, some churches still retain this, I know Fort Wayne does this, during the Lord's Prayer, you toll the bell uh, during each of the seven petitions, right? And my understanding is, uh, historically, what was happening here is if you had people who like we're farmers who are out in the field who couldn't get to church because it was like harvest time or whatever, that the church would toll the bells during certain things. He'd toll the bell seven times during the Lord's Prayer. And so all the farmers knew to like stop for a moment and pray the Lord's Prayer, and they could be tracking along with the church, right? Even though they weren't there uh, physically, that the prayer is kind of it, its own animal in, in all of this. Isn't that right? a great example of cutting-edge technology? being implemented yeah. for the church spread out to be able to be the church in a good way. Right. Right. Yeah. Well, and one of the things I had, I had started doing with this, uh, and, I, and I've not been doing it recently, um, is during, during a time where we were not together, every day um, at lunchtime, I would go on Facebook, I would go live, and I would pray the litany. And I was inviting people to join me in, in praying the litany every day. And we understand that 
we don't actually it, it's good to be together for this but that our prayers are arising before the throne of god uh together right that there there's a, just a different aspect to prayer than these these other parts like the, the gathering for the lord's supper yep. right that has to be done in person or baptism yeah. that has to be done in person yeah that's we're really you know we want to go even further back in cutting edge technology to uh, the hours of prayer in the church calendar mm-hmm. right and you know it used to be when when the the hours of the day that we would observe as a church those hours of prayer when they were really known and and implemented we've kind of lost that a little bit in our western world our modern world but people could stop what they're doing or would stop what they're doing and be able to pray you know, during right. that time and they they knew that time and you have accounts of some of the church fathers you know, facing the east and all these sorts of things right and it was done in their location not at the right. not at the church it wasn't you didn't stop drop everything and, and travel you know get get on i80 drive to church go to go to worship and then go back to doing whatever you're doing you could do it right in that moment this is a really interesting thing for me as we're talking about this because this is an example of good use and, and I, I guess I could back up. I, what I ended up doing at St. Mark's before I left, uh, just like everybody, I immediately started recording the, the entire divine service. Everything went online mm-hmm. right away. Mm-hmm. But real quick, I, I did, and I, this is why I said you and me with this uh, as unenjoyable as possible. I wouldn't have phrased it that way myself, but that's true. I intentionally cut it down to the readings, the sermon, and right. the prayer of the church. No confession right. and absolution. I didn't put up any hymns. There's a whole copyright issue involved in that too, right? But right, didn't do right. hymns, um, but just did the things that people could do at home. The type of things that I would do if COVID wasn't a reality for, I'd want for all my homebound members or people who were stuck because of bad weather or whatever, I wanted them still to receive and was appropriate to go through this modern technology, right? Right, right. So yeah, and and there we're thinking more in terms of the devotional life, right? Good, yes. Keep a, keep take taking us down that road, would you? Yeah. So so I mean, the devotional life of the Christian is going to be involved in. You, know, you might think that there's kind of three parts to this, right? You've got the 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 reading, the meditation, on, or the the reading of the scriptures, or the hearing of the scriptures, the meditation on those uh, those things that you're uh, hearing, and then praying according to them, right? So if, if you kind of structure this, and that's precisely what you were just saying, and if you look at most of our devotional resources, that's how they're structured. Like if you pull out, you know, like the treasury of daily prayer, that's what you get. You get um, the reading of the day, and there's, you know, the Psalm, the Old Testament, New Testament there. You get the meditation that's connected uh, in some way to what you've read. And then you've got the prayer, which is also connected in some way to what you've just read, right? Uh, and then you can also attach other prayers to those. We ought always attach the Lord's Prayer because in that we're praying for everything that we can pray for as Christians. Great point. Uh, you know, understanding that that uh, every other Christian prayer is simply an expansion on the petitions already given to us in the Lord's Prayer, right? And so, you know, throw that in there, uh, make that the chief prayer of the church as it should be, and then you know, you've got the Psalms as prayers, and you've got the other petitions that we are, that we put together in accordance with the readings, right? Uh, so all of this is kind of working together uh, to give us our devotional life as Christians. And that then kind of comes into a head 
when we gather for the church's service and the church's service when all of these uh, families are gathered together into a larger group now takes on a little bit different um, structure. You've got some other stuff added on to that, like the absolution and like the sacrament. But the other parts of the devotional life of the Christian is still there, right? It's just, it's adding in these other things that are part of the corporate life of the church. Yeah, that's right. Right. Yeah. Tell me about uh, so, this whole thing and how it relates to consumerism. So one of the, one of the issues, and this is connected with like spectatorship and voyeurism and whatnot is that we end up making uh, kind of a marketplace of the church where you go along and you've got this option to choose from and you've got this option to choose from and this option to choose from and you pick whichever one you like the best you pick whichever one you know usually that has the best production value uh and so it turns the 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 gospel and the in the church itself into a product to be marketed and consumed uh instead of the the thing that's delivering to us Christ's forgiveness uh which is a, a really a, a terrible way to treat uh, the Lord's bride. Oh. It's a terrible way to treat the Lord's word, right? As, as being just kind of this product, um, this product, right? We shouldn't do it that way. But then the other thing that it does is it pits churches against each other, right? So uh, even within, the, within our own, our own synod, you know, you're looking around and you're like, Hey, this guy's, you know, doing some really awesome stuff. And then you go and you're like, Oh, well, that's because he's got a, you know, a $3,000, uh, cinema, uh, camera. Right. And, you know, we don't have that. So I guess maybe in order to compete with that, we got to go and drop $3,000 on a, on a camera to compete with that. Right. So it, it, and this is kind of just the mindset we end up in yeah. or, is competing or even with the, each other. this guy, this pastor's personality is so much more engaging than my pastor. Like, well, why right. can't my right. pastor preach like that guy? Right. And, and we end up being discontented with the gifts that our Lord has given to us in our local place. Yeah. Right. Which is a real, really a dangerous thing. Um, and, uh, and what it ultimately ends up being, uh, this is one of the other things we want to talk about is, um, it makes us, um, striving for the, for the likes and the comments and the shares and the views, right. And it pulls us completely away from where we, where our minds ought to be set. And that is, um, how faithful are we being that, that, that should be our chief question. How faithful are we being to what the Lord has given to us and what he's given us to do? Yeah. Instead, we end up you know, trying to get as many views and as many likes and comments and shares as we possibly can. And, and those are designed uh, by social media companies to, to drive you to get more of them, right? They're, right. they're designed kind of like a drug. And, and are they accurate? Right? No, <laughs> um, it, in a way, right? So, so they, they are intentionally, at least the ones that most people see are intentionally deceptive, right? So kind of how it works I'll use Facebook as the example since I know that one the best, uh, but also this is probably what most people are most familiar with. When you're scrolling along Facebook and you see a, a video start playing, it'll tell you in the corner um, how many views it has. And it'll tell you how many likes and comments and shares that it has, right? Now, the likes, comments, and shares, that's accurate because those are actual clicks, okay. right? Um, the views are the deceptive one. And that's the one that we tend to kind of zero in on, right? How many, how many people are watching the service? And again, they're, they're you know, watching, watching the service. Yeah. yeah. Um, but what, what's deceptive about this is that the way the Facebook algorithm works on this is if the video, if you're scrolling along on your, on your phone 
and you pause for a minute and it play the video plays for a second and then you just keep going, you're a view. Oh, okay. Right. Even though you didn't actually engage with the thing and at any you just let your thumb off the screen for a split second it stopped the video played oh then you get back to scrolling you were a view right and and facebook introduced this thing a few years back of the of the autoplay on videos right videos autoplay in your feed and that counts as a view and so that counts as a view okay but also that there are there are further metrics on this okay that we need to be aware of and one of those facebook isn't really designed for videos and so the metrics that you get aren't the most helpful, but it is interesting to to look at and see how skewed this actually is. And so the um, the largest chunk of time that you get is one minute views or more. So oh. how many people watch watch the video for sixty seconds or longer? That's the largest chunk of time. The, uh, here's what happened with us: um, we had four hundred fifty nine total views. Um, when you go down to one minute views. Um, that number drops to 118. Wow. From 459 to 118, right? Wow. So obviously the vast majority were just kind of scrolling through this. Well, Pastor, um, we're going to be running out of that. time here. So let me cut you off because I want to get yeah. to the the most important thing here. I mean, all that yeah. is really interesting, but the clock is ticking. Let's talk scripture. You got, we, got a, only, yeah. we only got about a minute, maybe two tops, but let's not let the listener take your word for it. I mean, I, I trust your word, Pastor Cook. I trust you, mm-hmm. but... Let's talk scripture verses. Let's talk Bible. Take me into the good book. As I understand technology and church and all of this, the, this last hour, take me to the take me to the scriptures. Yeah. So we should remember that you know, as Christians, we are spiritual people, right? Um, and Saint Paul reminds us in First Corinthians that the spiritual person judges all things, right? So we shouldn't be afraid to judge whether these things are good or bad. St. Paul reminds us in Romans that um, we ought not be tran- conformed to the uh, to this world, but to be transformed by the renewal of our mind, that by testing we may discern what is the will of God, what is good and acceptable and perfect, right? So just consider, you know, are these things good and acceptable and perfect? Uh, but also, I think just a really helpful uh, um, guideline that we might want to have, and just, this is just for like everything in the church, it is twice in 1 Corinthians, St. Paul reminds us that all things are lawful, but not all things are helpful. All right, and then he goes on and saying, one, all things are lawful, but I will not be dominated by anything. Mm. And all things are lawful, but not all things build up. Right. So it, you know, we could paraphrase this as just because you can do something doesn't mean that you should or that you have to do something. Right. Um, and so we should be very careful of thinking, you know, just because we can doesn't mean that it's actually good that we do this. We want to think about what's actually best for the spiritual life of our members. And and lastly, in the large catechism, Luther gives us this great reminder uh, that uh, in the in the creed on their third article, he says, everything, therefore, in the Christian church is to be ordered toward this goal. We shall daily receive in the church nothing but the forgiveness of sins through the word and signs to comfort and encourage its consciences as long as we live here. And that's what we're trying to do. Like we, we want to deliver the forgiveness of sins. We want to comfort and encourage consciences. And we can do that through digital media in a variety of ways. Yeah. The question we need to ask is whether or not putting the divine service online is one of those ways. Right. That That's the question that we just need to wrestle with. And I'm more and more leaning that. No, because we've got, but we have other things like devotions and sermons and these sorts of things that we can put on. Interesting thing to wrestle with. And thank you for helping us get started in that discernment. 
Pastor Kilgo, it has been a pleasure to have you on the show. We will talk again soon, I'm sure. Um, but for now, see you later, buddy. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Absolutely. You've been listening to Cross Defense coming out of the Winnikin Hall, the Welcome Center here at Concordia Theological Seminary in Fort Wayne, Indiana. I'm your host, Tyrell Bramwell. We're going to leave it at that, and we'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel. It's 2 p.m. Central Time at 8.50 a.m. That's the radio dial if you're listening in the St. Louis area or at kfuo.org. You can listen live right as it's streaming at 2 p.m. or anytime you want on a podcast, your favorite podcast provider. We'll get you the show. It's Cross Defense from kfuo.org. See you next week. Defense is a production of KFUO Radio. Find past episodes and support Cross Defense at KFUO.org.